I know players in the league right now who are very, very successful who are unhappy. I know players in the league who are not very successful and are extremely happy. It's just about finding your balance and then kind of figuring out how to manage your day-to-day -day stresses because regardless of you know the amount of money in your bank account, the amount of startup you have, the following you have, your problems don't go away. Comparing ourselves to others is a pure recipe for disaster. Comparison is the thief of joy. And I think about that every day, understanding that I have to be thankful for what I have and not compare my lifestyle, you know, my history, my future to others. Just live my best life. So I just try to live my life that way. Just love people, just be genuinely honest with people, and don't allow negative comments to affect you because at the end of the day, a lot of people would kill to be in our positions. There's somebody out there who would love to have the problems that I have. Welcome to the Walt Gilmore episode of Pull Up. That's right, episode number 48. Walt was a former Blazer and one of two people to ever wear number 48 in the league. The other, Nazir Muhammad. So we appreciate both of you guys wearing number 48, blazing new trails for us to allow us to use your name and likeness on the Pull Up Pod. Enjoy that fun fact. Back in Oregon after a seven-game road trip, it's been 21 days. I've gone through the All-Star break. I've played with Sharks. I've won some close games. We've lost some close games. And now we're back in Oregon. There's snow falling to the ground. One day before we play the Oklahoma City Thunder, once again, another tight race uh, in the Western Conference between teams three, four, and five. Essentially a three-way tie right now. One team has the advantage over the other. Head-to-head -head game coming up, so... It'll be very important for us to try to execute that. There's a lot of stuff going on in, in the uh, sports world right now. NFL, Combine just passed. Uh, Adam Silver just spoke on the panel in Boston at, for MIT. And so much more. With 18, 17, 18 games left for most teams, Lakers are what it seems in a little funk. May not make the playoffs first time in, what, eight, nine years. LeBron hasn't been to the finals. Shall be an interesting, interesting day. Without further ado, let's welcome Jordan Schultz to the Pull-Up Pod, as always. Jordan, have you been watching these Lakers? CJ, I have been stunned at what's happened to the Lakers. Uh, they, they've completely cratered. They're, they're not guarding anybody. They're not competing. You know, they were down 19 in the fourth quarter at Phoenix. They've lost to Atlanta recently, 3-8, uh, which we'll talk about since LeBron came back in the lineup. 21st in offensive efficiency, which really surprises me. I mean, we knew they would struggle shooting the three, but from an offensive standpoint, LeBron's teams have always been so good. And especially because they have tried to play faster with more pace, I thought they would be able to score um, at the very least, and they haven't. I don't think you can point to any one thing in particular, but obviously Luke Walton has been a has really been a, a mess. Um, has I don't think the players are playing for him at all. Players aren't playing for each other. And I'm just absolutely shocked, man. I really am. I think everything started when LeBron got injured, honestly. They were they were playing pretty well. They were healthy for the most part. Uh, turning the corner, I think they were three or four seed at that point uh, during the season. Then LeBron goes down. Uh, Rondo goes down. Lonzo Ball goes down. They have a bunch of different injuries. Kuzma misses some games. Ingram misses some games. And the next thing you know, they have a 20 or 21 game streak to where they're four, five, six, seven games under 500. And I think that's what really turned their season around for the worse. And uh, we're starting to see now the injuries are, are stacking up. Uh, the Western Conference is, is far too tight, far too competitive for you to you know lose four or five games in a row. Yeah. Lose, losing to teams who are under 500 on the road uh, is another recipe for, you know, 
failing to make the playoffs a lot of times down the stretch. So yeah. I think the injuries really hurt. The, the trade rumors really hurt the the team. The, the juju around the team, the vibes around the team probably changed a little bit with some of those trade rumors. And uh, ultimately, this will, be, this will probably be the first time in a long time that LeBron does not make the playoffs. And uh, I think, as we've seen before, some changes are probably coming in L.A. based on um, the rumors, the whispers, and obviously the fact that they were trying to make trades at the deadline. Yeah, I mean, LeBron's been to the playoffs 13 straight years. They are only 3-8, and eight, see, 3-8 and eight since they got him back in the lineup. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk really all year about Luke Walton and his status um, and the respect that he's been given or lack thereof from the, from the players. I, I just think it's a, it's a combination of everything. I don't know if it's any one thing. I like what you said about, you know, the, the, the team juju, if you will, and how trade rumors impact guys, especially young players. And we've talked about this at length, but young players who have not been through that before, it seems like you feel like maybe the, the Ingrams, the Kuzmas, the Balls, the Hearts, like those four guys, you know, four potentially really good young players um, have been impacted by the fact that their their names were swirling within a period of two, three weeks basically every day. Yeah. I think everything you said makes sense. You know, everything we've discussed in the past, the rumors, thinking about what it's like to be traded to another city, you have very young, impressionable players who are reading the media. I mean, Adam Super talked about it, social media being one of the one of the most prevalent things that affect your day-to-day mindset, your day-to-day lifestyle. It's the only, you know, pro- probably the only place outside of an arena where someone can essentially tell you, you know, to to go screw yourself or, or tell you you're terrible at something or that you should quit or you need to die or whatever the case may be. This is the only time where people have direct access to you outside of friends and family. Strangers have direct access to you, and it can sway your emotions. It can sway your, your your psyche, your thought process. And I think that you know, watching ESPN every day, you know, seeing you know some of these major major sports uh, networks discuss you potentially being traded every day. I think that takes a toll on you at some point. Where do you think LeBron's head is at right now? I mean, he's had fans chanting, "We want Kobe." Um, is this potentially the most adversity he's <laughs> dealt with from a home from a home crowd and um, like? Does, does this impact him as great as he is and as great as he continues to be? I don't think it impacts him as much as as we think. He's a competitor. He wants to be in the playoffs. He wants to contend for a championship. But I think he understood with his move to the Lakers that it was going to be a process, that it was going to take some time you know, with the youth they have, with the supporting cast they have. And then he goes through his uh, most significant injury of his career, you know, missing the most games he's ever missed uh, in a season. You know, in his you know 15th, 16th season, he probably figured there was going to be some adversity um, that would you know change, you know, his plans, his thought process on how the outcome would be for the Lakers. But he signed a four or five year deal. He understands it's it's not about hitting a home run this year. It's about you know making progress, building. A lot of this was figuring out what young pieces they were going to keep. I think they have a better understanding of what what young pieces they want. Obviously, they would probably like to to have Lonzo Ball play a lot more than he has this year, you know, with the ankle injury and some of the things he went through. But I think they have a great understanding of what it's going to take to win a championship, who's going to be with him uh, along along for that ride. And yeah, 
Uh, LeBron is a guy who works extremely hard on his game. He'll have some time to rest. This will be the first time in nine years that he's not like essentially heading to the finals. So that'll be good for his body to rest, recover. He can start shooting Space Jam too. And if he's looking for uh, <laughs> any, any guys from Ohio uh, to okay to take part in that movie, yeah, he has my number. Um, Let's do that. I like I like that. I love that little <laughs> plug right there. A little Space Jam chew for Mr. McCollum. By the way. Um, Ohio guys got to look out for each other, man. That's all. That's absolutely. How, that's how we, do. we look out uh, for each other. Absolutely. Last time, last time Braun was not in the finals, both Snapchat and Instagram did not exist as our esteemed producer, Matt, <laughs> just texted me. I, I can't even believe that. I mean, it's we're talking 13 years. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, is it is it possible, see, that because of how things have gone in L.A. with the Lakers that – it could make somebody like Anthony Davis think twice about going there? No. Anthony Davis could care less about the success this team is having right now. He's looking he's looking forward to the future and knows that you know, regardless of where he goes, he's going to have an immediate impact on that organization and that franchise and probably change the course, uh, the direction that they're heading in. He'll change, he'll change a lot of things about every team in the NBA because he has versatility. He can defend, he can block shots, he can guard one through five, he can shoot out to the three-point line. He's a walking 30 and 10. When you have a walking 30 and 10 come to your team, it doesn't matter what problems you had before. Some things are going to change, especially on that court. Mm. Well, you know what's uh, a walking bucket is CJ, and I, I didn't tell you this, I wanted to get you a little bit by surprise, but uh, I wanted to do a little player breakdown, play breakdown. You had 27 against Memphis, 9 of 13 from the field, and you had a fantastic cross floater on Avery Bradley. Can you give us a quick breakdown of that play and what happened? Because he was up on you tight, and then you got, basically, you made a hell of a move to get by him, and we're talking about Avery Bradley, one of the best defenders in the league. Yeah, Avery Bradley's a, a really good defender, you know, very aggressive on the ball, um, uses his length extremely well, you know, likes the pressure. And I, I caught the ball at the top of the key. I don't know how, many, how much time it was, like maybe 12 seconds. And I did a little jab and then tried to create space. And I went left. He cut me off. So I countered back to the right. He cut me off again. And I kind of like did like a hesitation dribble and like a little right to left crossover, you know, hesitation. And uh, I don't know if he, he tripped or slipped or whatever the case may be. But just a little hop and just tried to create some space, got around him. And then... Um, Got a nice little floater off in the lane, but it's just about you know being aggressive and understanding who you are as a player, and sometimes using the defender's aggression against him. That's that's how great scorers get buckets. Um, change of pace. We've we, somebody that we we've talked a lot about that does that really well is uh, Donovan Mitchell, and um, you know you you said you love his pace. That that the move you had on Bradley was was great because it was all counters. It, those are the those are the buckets that uh, I feel like you earn in the summer with somebody like Drew or, or somebody like uh, Brick or whoever you're working with because it's so many different counters in one move and it's really, there's no ball screen. It's just you got to go make a play, right? Yeah, I think the, the summer work and the things you do on your own time and just the amount of film you watch, you just become a basketball player. There's certain things you can train for and there's certain things that you just have to adjust to on the fly. And I think that the best basketball players in the world are able to adjust and react to the defense. And when somebody cuts you off, you change direction. You have a, a list of change direction moves and you do whatever you're most comfortable with and your instincts kind of take over. And uh, that's that's kind of what's happened, you know, with me as I progressed and 
you know, gotten into the position I'm in today. You know, they close you out tight, you figure out a way to get around them while using your jump shot to your advantage, understanding that you can shoot at any point in time. You can get your shot off, you know, pretty quickly. So you have to use that shot credibility to your advantage and also use your handle and ability to kind of change speeds, hesitations, little crossovers, little slight footwork, eye glances, all those things mm. impact your defender's decisions to try to close the space out and, and keeps them off balance. God, I just, I wish I could do that, you know? <laughs> hey, man, I'm sure that if you really, <laughs> really worked on it, you could be a you could be a poor man, CJ McCollum. Well, that's what my friends say. They they call me a homeless version of you. <laughs> that means you got a nice jump shot. Got you got pretty good size for a guard. You know, you just got to work on the handles. <laughs> CJ, I don't think I've ever scored in my life without a ball screen or a <laughs> or a, like a stagger something. Hey man, you got to do you, you got to do you. You want to talk about a lack of explosion? I mean, I am the definitive version of that. <laughs> More show on in a minute, but first, support for Pull Up with CJ McCollum comes from Wix.com. With Wix, you can create your very own professional website. Choose a template you love and customize it by adding your own text, images, and videos. With hundreds of intuitive design features, you can tell your story exactly the way you want. Want even more for your website? You can easily start a blog, launch an online store, or create an event. Share everything in a click on social media and drive even more traffic to your site with SEO tools to get found on Google. Wix has all the tools you need to create the exact website you want. You can create a beautiful website while listening to this podcast. Over 140 million people choose Wix to create their websites. Create yours today. Get started now by going to Wix.com. That's W-I-X.com slash pull up to get 10% off. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Okay, back to the show. Adam Silver recently spoke at MIT, and I'm really happy that he said this, uh, even though it's a tough thing to swallow. He said a lot of players he meets are unhappy. This once again brings light into a really important issue, mental health, that affects not just basketball players, but, you know, anybody, Uh, football players, non-athletes, teachers, anybody. And I'm really happy that we're talking about it, too, because um, it it, it helps validate what we've said in the past and what you've said. Um, You seem very balanced at this point in your career, CJ. What, What do you think it takes to get there? I think it takes struggle. I think it takes an understanding of of who you are. It takes help, you know, having that family support, uh, being able to read, you know, seek out other opinions and figure out ways to really figure out yourself because we've all gone through this. I know players in the league right now who are very, very successful, who are unhappy. I know players in the league who are 
not very successful and are extremely happy. It's just about finding your balance and then kind of figuring out how to manage your day-to-day stresses because uh, regardless of what you see on TV, as Adam pointed out, regardless of you know the amount of money in your bank account, the amount of startup you have, the following you have, your problems don't go away. You, you still have problems. Wherever you grew up from, you have problems from your childhood. You're, you're sometimes scarred based on your upbringing and it's some of the things you go through you know, in your in your childhood, uh, a lot of times, you know, a lot of kids are growing up in in certain neighborhoods, certain environments, to where they're exposed to a lot of things early on, and don't get the necessary help they need to kind of recover and and get over that. And then you just kind of go on with life. And as I think Gordon Hayward talked about it, you know, in a recent article, you know, you try to be strong, you try to be a man, saying that you don't need help, but in reality, you need someone to talk to, you need someone to vent to, you need someone to be able to help you overcome the obstacles of of playing this game at the highest level. And, you know, I'm I'm very balanced now, but there was a time where where I had high levels of anxiety, high levels of stress, worry, you know, many bouts of depression because of injuries. You know, that's the the one thing in this world you can't control is when you get hurt, the rehab phase is brutal. It's the only time you can't do what you love. Besides if the coach decides to give you a DNP, but being uncertain about your future, uncertain about your job, you know, will I be able to last in the NBA? Like, what's going to happen with me? The turnover in the NBA is is crazy. You know, about 60 to 90 players leaving every year, 60 new players coming in. So there's a lot of things that cross your mind when you go through stuff like that. Not to mention you have social media. So people telling you, you suck or you're this or you're a failure. You're the worst player to ever play the game. I remember some of the messages I used to get. I used to screenshot them and save them. Uh, one of them was like, you'll you'll never make it in the league past five years. Wow. People would tag me and say, you are trash. And it would be trash cans. Like, wow. <laughs> go kill yourself. Like, all these, types of, all these types of negative connotations and things that are thrown at you. You have to be strong enough to kind of filter it and not allow it to affect your day-to-day. But I think it's tough. And it, it really takes, it takes a village, honestly. You need help. You can't do it. You can't do it on your own. Uh, this game, as Adam said before, you'll be isolated. You'll be high, you'll be low. Some days you just wake up angry. Like it's it's a natural emotion to not be happy all the time. It's hard for us to constantly be happy regardless of the success you're having. And I think that at this stage in my life, I'm just, I'm happy with you know some of the things I've been able to accomplish, some of the things I've been able to overcome. And I have a perspective that's very unique based on the situations I've been in, you know, going to Lehigh, being short, not having a lot of scholarship offers, being hurt, being hurt again. You know, all those things I've gone through has allowed me to just have a better appreciation, balance of, you know, what I'm putting into my soul and my mind. Well, Adam said, um, this is from Isaiah Thomas, the great former Piston and world champion, 12-time All-Star. He said, from the time I get on the plane to when I showed up in the arena for the game, I won't see a single person. And then Adam said there was a deep sadness around him. Um, I mean, that's somebody, Isaiah Thomas, is a Hall of Famer. For you, see, what do you think? What was the best thing that you've done to overcome the anxiety and depression? I think reading has really helped me. Reading different types of self-help books, you know, talking to people, understanding that it's normal. A lot of times, we feel like we're going through stuff and we don't want to share. In reality, opening up to someone or being able to discuss certain things that are happening to you is helpful because there's a lot of people that are going through the same thing as you. Not only people that are working nine to fives, but people that are playing sports. A lot of us are going through the same issues, you know, not being able to be at, be around for the holidays, missing all the holidays, not being around family, 
devoting so much of your time to a game that you miss out on so many things throughout your entire life. You, you literally sacrifice so much to play this game. And then the season starts and you're, and you're sacrificing more because you're focused, you're locked in. Like Isaiah Thomas said before, this game is your is essentially your life. It's how you provide for your family. It's what you've played your whole life. It's, it's all you've known. So when that's not going well, how do you respond? And when it's going well, how do you respond? Because you know there's going to come a time where things don't go your way. So it's just about trying to keep that balance. And it takes, I mean, it takes a lot, honestly, because you fly to a city. Like we've been on the road for 21 days. I haven't been home for 21 days. And granted, part of that was all-star break. But you're around your teammates. You watch film. You go eat your team meal. And then you have this idle time where you just essentially sit in your room until the game starts. And it's a lot of time on your hands to really think about stuff, to really go through different types of feelings. But you have to balance your time well and really understand what you're trying to get from this game, but also understanding that it is just a game. Put all you can into it, prepare, work hard, and live with the results. And don't let it affect your day-to-day, which is very hard to do. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, when I've talked to young players especially, you know, a lot of guys are happy, but some of it's artificial happiness. Um you know, uh, maybe they had a, a huge game and it, it it was like awesome for a week, but then they had a bad game and now all of a sudden, um, you know, they're, they're down. Or maybe it's something in the summer like, you know, uh, Instagram following, you know, where they feel like, okay, I got some more clout now. Now things are rolling, but that that's artificial. And when you're, when you have a great game, um, and then followed by a bad game, like that's part of NBA life. And th- these are just things you have to learn uh, as a young player in this league, especially someone that maybe was only in college for a year or two. And it's it scares me because I feel like young players especially, um, but really any NBA player, but especially young ones, are, are so vulnerable and almost embarrassed to ask for help. They feel like it's an indictment of their character. Uh, when they are vulnerable and that maybe somebody will look at them differently or they it makes them look like they're not tough. Have you seen that or, or did you experience that early on where you felt, at least initially, CJ, that you didn't want to reach out because it made you look weak or, or different? I definitely think that younger players and players in general aren't likely to ask for help early on in their careers because – they want to figure things out on their own. They don't want to seem weak. They don't want to seem soft. They want to seem strong and capable because you're at the highest point of basketball. This is the best point. The best 450 players in the world are here. And you feel like you got there for a reason. So you're trying to, you're trying to trust and rely on some of the things that got you here. In reality, maybe it was just your talent. Maybe it was just your skill. And now you need to uh, gain a better mental understanding of who you are, a better mental understanding of the game and how to be successful while balancing everything out. So I think you're right. A lot of younger players don't know what questions to ask, aren't sure of the emotions they're going through because they've been dealing with them forever. It just kind of continues to grow. Your problems, you have more money, so that means you have more problems. People people automatically assume that you're able to take care of them, able to bail them out of certain situations. You're getting ticket requests in every city. If someone can't pay their light bill, who do they call it? They're calling you. If someone in the family gets sick, who are they calling? They're calling you. Now, those little problems that you had become bigger problems because you're taking on 
your personal issues, your personal anxiety, your personal stress, your personal pressure to perform. And now you're taking on everyone else's problems as well. And that's a lot to deal with and a lot to handle for a 40-year-old, let alone a 19, 20, 21, 22-year-old who's been dealing with stuff his entire life, her entire life. And I think that it's tough, honestly. Right. It's it's really hard. And yeah. I think that now a lot of people are starting to speak out on it and starting to understand that you got players making hundreds, hundreds of millions of dollars and are genuinely unhappy. They thought that they would find success from basketball. They thought that it would be from a championship. They thought that it would be from a scoring title. They thought that it would come from getting a shoe deal, but it doesn't. Success and happiness comes from within. And I think that until people really start to understand and realize that, and until they start to find that happiness, um, genuine happiness is understanding that you know, you, you, you're being grateful for what you have. You're being grateful for what you're given, not comparing the things that you have to others and genuinely being happy and comfortable with self. Yeah. And I think that it's hard for people to get to that point. Like you said before, a lot of young players, you know, they go nine for 13. They're excited. They go one for 13. The world's ending. Being able to stay balanced and even kill through all of that is is how you kind of find your own inner happiness because you're not going to play 82 perfect basketball games. It's impossible. It's it's not going to happen. Even Steph Curry doesn't make a three every now and then, and he's shooting 46, 47%. So that kind of shows you that there's a there's a type of way to handle success and a type of way to handle failure, but it needs to be in line with each other. Yeah, happiness comes from within. And when you start comparing yourself to others, you know, that can be a motivating tool. It can also be really dangerous. Uh, my my sophomore year of college, when I was playing, um, I, I worked that whole summer after freshman year to get in the best shape of my life. I mean, I, I really put in uh, an incredible amount of work. And right before the season, I basically broke my foot. And I was so devastated, CJ, that I put on probably at least 10, maybe 15 pounds. I was out probably three months, four months. And missed almost the whole year. Didn't want to talk to anybody. I was in a complete rut. And this is, think about that. I mean, that's that's college basketball at a, not even a super high level. That was when I was at Seattle U. I was playing D2 basketball. And imagine somebody like you who or any NBA player that has an injury and goes into this deep depression or a DMP because they're not playing well. And how that starts to affect you because then all of a sudden it is, at least for me, you are embarrassed. You don't want to talk to somebody. Um, you start feeling badly for yourself and it just kind of spirals. Um, with what you said earlier, you know, about social media and some of those like death threats or like, you know, you're trash. Do, do you feel that that is more uh, potentially devastating or hurtful than anything else? Like when you have comments coming from, from fans, like does that start to get to you? Does that wear on you? I think it depends on the person. Um, what you put into your brain and what you think is what you become. So you can't surround yourself by negative people. You can't absorb too many negative comments, too many negative threats, because then you're kind of forgetting about all the positive things you're doing. It might be a thousand comments on your page about how well you're doing, how happy people are for you, supporting you. But that one comment, that one person who you know is negative, you remember that forever. And like you kind of carry that with you. So you have to be able to filter out the negative comments, the the hateful things that are said to you, understanding that you're able to, to change a lot of people's lives. You're impacting a lot of different people who are fans of you, who are inspired by you. And to take that, you know, with the with the 
negative comments, the negative disrespectful things that fans will say or people will say just to get on your skin, understanding that you're still impacting so many people's lives. So don't allow it to affect you. But I think that it affects a lot of people. I think understanding and comparing yourself to other players affects us. It's one thing to to do it in a healthy manner, understanding like, all right, this guy's playing at this level. I need to, right. I need to step this up right. and this up. But to to envy someone because of where they're at or the position they're in, I think that's that's when you start to see you know, people becoming more depressed because they see someone's Instagram is popping or it appears that they're having the the life that you desire. But in reality, we all got different problems. You just don't know about them. No one's posting their problems online. Instagram is a facade. It's, it's just basically showing you all the highlights. It's not showing you the the negative disappointments, the, the, the times where someone is really just not feeling like themselves. And, and I went to chapel in, in Toronto and there was a great... There was a great story told uh, by the chaplain just about comparing yourself to others. He compared, you know, his situation with one of his neighbors. His neighbor, you know, had like one of those huge, huge big screen TVs. And he would always, you know, go over there and watch games and kind of envy like, man, I wish I could have a TV like this and things of that nature. And it starts small and then it gets bigger and bigger. Then it starts to eat at you. So you have to be able to kind of control, you know, those negative thoughts and those comparisons. And he had a great point. He said, Comparing ourselves to others is a pure recipe for disaster. Comparison is the thief of joy. And I think about that every day, understanding that I have to be thankful for what I have and not compare my lifestyle, you know, my history, my future to others. Just live my best life, understanding who I am, what I've been able to accomplish and what I want to accomplish, and just live with that. And I think that you'll be more happy and and the rest of the league and, and players and people in general will be more happy when they start to understand who they are. And you try to figure out ways to be a, a better version of you, not a different version of someone else. I often wonder, like, and that's great from, you said that was in Toronto, by the way? Yeah, it was in Toronto. That's a great line about comparison. Um, and with that in mind, I often wonder about, like, um, my my social media and what's what's the balance because the negativity, obviously, is always there. But even sometimes, like, you almost feel like you want to, especially on Instagram, like you want to project something that's better or you know the the best version of yourself. When you know, it's just a, it's a small snippet, it's a snapshot, and it can be so distracting. Like I, this is just me being honest. Like I, I've been on Instagram where I'm about to post something, and I have a great caption, and it took me ten minutes or fifteen minutes, some ridiculous amount of time, and then I delete it because I'm like, you know what? I don't really look. I don't look good there. Seriously, I'll delete it. And it and I, it's so stupid. It's so absurd, and it's such a waste of time. But I do that because I'm like, yeah, my smile looks messed up, or well, I look, you know, puffy, whatever it is. Um, do you, how much? I guess CJ, how much time do you spend on social media? Would you ever consider abandoning it, or um, should the league mandate a social media off season? Like, what? What do you think about all that? <laughs> no, I don't think the league should mandate a social media offseason. I think that players know what they can handle and what they can't handle. I always say, we know ourselves better than anyone else. So if you know you can't handle certain things, take a step away from it. You know, kind of back off, log out of your accounts. Don't read the negative comments, filter it, block people. I think the block button, the mute button, the spam button is one of the greatest things ever invented in social media. Being able to remove those negative comments, being able to remove people that shouldn't be impacting your life or your decision-making process or how you feel. I think that's important. I I don't really mandate myself on social media. I try not to be on it when I'm around family. 
I try to stay off my phone, you know, when I'm around loved ones because I feel like I'm on my phone all the time. I'm by myself all the time on the road, traveling, doing different things, reading articles so that I try to just be able to take a step away, whether I'm reading a book, reading something online, watching a TV show, talking to family, whatever the case may be. But I think it's just about governing yourself. You, you know what you can handle and what you can't handle at this point in your life. And it's up to you to kind of be responsible with being on social media, with what you what you allow to affect your moods. Because some days I'm moody and I know I need to like, all right, I need to chill out. I might respond to someone I shouldn't have responded to online. I might say some hateful things and just continue to inspire hate. When in reality, sometimes a lot of people are just looking for a response. They'll hate on you. You'll comment. And they'll be like, thanks. Thanks for commenting, man. I appreciate that. And you'll be like, what, what kind of person are you to, to hate, to get me to respond, to say thank you and say that you're a fan? Like, so there's just like those types of situations that happen. And then you realize, look, man, just, just love people. Just be genuinely honest with people. Live your best life. And don't allow negative comments to affect you. Because at the end of the day, a lot of people would kill to be in our positions. There's somebody out there who would love to have the problems that I have. So I just try to live my life that way. That's a good line. That's like real, real facts too. There's somebody out there that would love to have the problems I have. If you think about how beneficial that phrase could be to you or to me or anybody, like if you if you put it like that, just something as simple as that, that could be like a really healthy way to to view life because then you all of a sudden feel like, you know what? It could be so much worse, and I'm so blessed. You know, whatever problem you have that day, let's say, uh, you know, see, like you're, you're feeling moody, you don't want to go hoop that day. Somebody else would love to have that. For me, I don't feel like creative. I don't want to go write or go talk, you know, about sports. Think about how crazy that is. It's sports. It's the best. That's a great way to to look at it. Is that? I mean, can you? Is that something you do a lot when you when you start to have an issue or you feel like upset about something, melancholy? Yeah, I just think about my childhood, man. I think about what I came from. You know, growing up in the city of 70,000 people where my dream was to play in the NBA. And it's a great job to have. It's a great life. It's everything you imagined and more. But like you said, there's days where you wake up and you don't want to play basketball today. You don't want to lift this 6 a.m. You got an appearance you don't want to go to. You don't want to get texts about somebody needing 20 tickets and 30 tickets in the city. You don't want to deal with those types of things. But you do, and you get through it understanding that it's just a small, these are small problems to have. Like someone calling that needs help with something. Obviously, you're in a position to help them, but you just want to make sure that you're not just continually bailing people out and empowering them to continue to be comfortable with failing. You want to empower people to succeed, whether that's family members, whether that's friends, whether that's distant friends. You want them to understand that, look, I'll help you here and there, but I'm not going to be your life raft forever. You need to figure out a way to dig yourself out of this hole. It's kind of how I've I've grown as a as a person to understanding that my problems are small. I have small problems. If you if you can fix your problems with money, it's not a real problem. And that's that's kind of what I've learned from people that have been through serious things, you know, serious illnesses, serious sicknesses, things that can't be cured by money. You look at some of the most wealthy people in the world, they weren't able to cure themselves from certain things that, that happened to them from a health standpoint. Those are real problems. Those are problems that you can't fix. So I don't have any of those types of problems. So I need to just enjoy my life and be thankful that I'm not in that position to, to have to go through some of those things. You know, an appearance, a game, going one for 13, going 0 for 20 or 0 for 30. 
it's a basketball game that I've perfected and I've I've become a master at. I'm a master. I'm one of 450 people to play a game that everybody in the world would want to play or most people in the world want to play. So figure out how to be successful, work hard, and live with the results. And those are small problems to a giant. You don't want to enable somebody. You want to help them. That's a fine balance too. I've 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 really struggled with that um, because you know I fortunately am in a position to to help people, and um, sometimes I feel like giving somebody money or writing a check almost makes it worse. And it sounds so confusing to say, but like I've had examples where I've you know help some help somebody financially and then it like I swear every single maybe four or five times I every every time they've come back asking for more and whatever I gave them is gone and uh even if it wasn't a lot of money or if it was a decent amount of money whatever it was it made it worse because I didn't fix the problem but I I enabled the problem and uh you also feel like saying no is really hard at the same time, I think you've told me before, like the power of saying no can be, can be helpful, um, can be strong, uh, or a, a a a good thing to do, right? Like when you, even if it's hard, you you have to say no because you you feel like it's going to make it worse. Yeah, exactly. And I think that like what you said before is there's trial and error. You you write the check, you try to help people as much as you can, then you realize, look, I'm just empowering them to continue to to not have balance, continuing to not have the proper budget, continuing to blow money on certain things and not being fiscally responsible. So then you have to kind of put a plan in place for people. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's all about, you know, find, finding that balance to helping, but not overdoing it. You know, not giving them another Band-Aid to cover up the wound. You know what I'm saying? Being able to understand, like, look, take the Band-Aid off, allow it to heal, but this is what you need to do. This is the budget you need to put in place or just kind of connecting them with things and, and people that they could potentially help make them more successful. I think that's yeah. When you look at what LeBron has done, he has literally changed lives. Changed lives, not just by empowering people and giving them money, but I'm talking about from an educational perspective, putting them in the room with the right people early on, allowing them to learn the business, allowing them to create their own businesses independently. Uh, he he did more than just write a check. He helped them gain educational values. He helped them gain experience. And now they're they're off and running on their own, running their own businesses, doing their own ventures, you know, making their own money, generating their own income. And I think that's more important than anything. Instead of just giving someone fish, teach them how to fish, and then they can go provide for themselves. You know, with, with Braun too, like he changed the game, not only as a player, but you know, Mav and Randy and and Rich. You know, these guys didn't have backgrounds to do what they're doing, but they LeBron changed the game, like. Rich going to CA and learning, um, you know, now with the shop, like this is his inner circle, but that's a perfect example of, you know, teaching somebody how to fish and not just giving them fish, if you will. Yeah. And I think that that's paid off big time for him. I mean, like guys like Kevin Garnett and, and, and people like that who have empowered their friends, you know, put their friends in a position to where they're able to succeed, you know, by going to college, they're able to, you know, gain gain knowledge first and then be well equipped enough to to work certain jobs it's it's crucial man i think that a lot of times we're short-sighted and we don't see the, the bigger picture but when you do see the bigger picture it's easier to kind of empower your your friends and family and allow them to create lives for themselves let's take a quick break to talk about simply safe here's something interesting 
Studies show that security systems deter burglars. It's a fact, but there's still a burglary every eight seconds in America. How? Well, think about it. Do burglars give up just because some houses have security systems? Of course not. They just find a house that isn't protected. That's why securing your home is truly a necessity. So let me recommend this brilliant security system built by my friends at Simply Safe. Simply Safe believes fear has no place in a place like home. So they made their systems ridiculously smart. Simply Safe sensors will protect every point of access to your home doors, windows, garage, you name it. If a burglar even tries to break in, an ear shattering siren will let them know the police are already on their way. Best of all, Simply Safe's 24 7 monitoring is just $14.99 a month, and they'll never lock you in a long term contract. More than 3 million people already know it feels good to fear less with Simply Safe. So go with the only home security I trust, Simply Safe, by going to simplysafe.com slash pull up. Go today and get free shipping and a 60 day money back guarantee. That's simplysafe.com slash pull up for the home security I trust. Simplysafe.com slash pull up. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, let's get back to pull up. CJ, did you have anything to do with the MEPA's uh, new mental health program? Because this is a great thing. They asked me um, basic thoughts on mental health. Obviously, they know it's a point of emphasis right now. They know there's a lot of issues within not only the sports world, but the world in general with mental health. And you know, we felt like it was something that needed to be done. And credit Michelle, credit our executive committee and the players for speaking up and you know, basically speaking out on, on certain issues that we have. Like we, we land in certain cities, like I landed last night at 3 a.m. And your adrenaline's pumping, you know, you're excited. There's all of these things going through your mind, but you have to try to go to sleep. And, and that's when we talked about the substance abuse. A lot of players go through, you know, certain traumas in their life, certain stresses, and drinking is bad for your body, right? So you're not supposed to drink. You're not supposed to drink alcohol or, or do anything of that nature. You can't smoke. You can't try to chill out and 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 partake in partake in cannabis or or uh, what is it CBD or any anything of that nature, and most people are in relationships or you know have certain situations at home so that you can't partake in in those activities either. So what do you do? <laughs> you're you're kind of at a, in a point to where right you have stress, you have trauma, you have all these things, but you can't cope it. There's no coping it. So then being able to create, you know, mental health program, kind of giving guys an escape, being able to kind of talk about their problems, being able to deal with things in a healthy manner, as opposed to using substance abuse or engaging in certain activities that they that they that they shouldn't, that could be detrimental to their households. I think there's a lot of issues that we have as players, you know, landing late at night and not being able to sleep. And they wonder why players go out and, and do certain things. It's like, look, you can't sleep. It's 2 a.m. I can't sleep. And I don't have to play until two days later at 7.30 p.m. So what am I going to do? We're going to go play cards. We're going to go drink some wine. We're going to go do something because it's just going to be me laying in bed watching Netflix until 5 a.m., 6 a.m. Yeah, you got that crazy internal clock where you've you've jumped time zones. You don't even, at least for me, like when you go on these long trips, sometimes different cities, you 
you forget where you are temporarily. You forget what time zone you're in. You don't even know if you're supposed to eat because you're all hungry, but you, whatever. It's just, it's, it's baffling. And because you guys can't, like a lot of, somebody might go smoke weed. You can't do that. You're going to get tested. I mean, that's, that's a perfect example of why this program could help guys, right? And it could potentially be the difference between somebody, you know, going into a deep rut and maybe somebody avoiding that or at least, um, you know, helping themselves temporarily to, to find a better solution. You, you're getting a taste of that life now, traveling and, and going to other cities and just kind of getting a better understanding of uh, you, you got to travel and go do interviews. Now, imagine traveling and then having to go guard James Harden. Like this, oh. <laughs> it's, a, it's an interesting lifestyle, but it's a grind. Once dude. again, it's what comes with the territory. Yeah, yeah, but it is it is a grind. Like I get really tired and you know not as sharp, and but then that's just like a mental thing. You have to go perform physically in front of twenty thousand people against you know James Harden or Steph or Kyrie or Kemba. How many damn guards are in this league? Uh, too many, but hey, that's why they pay us the big bucks. Uh, real quick, see before we uh, wrap up, what about Antonio Brown? Uh, what's your take? Where does he go? I don't know, man. He's had an interesting week or two, man. Yes. The conversations he's he's come up with and, and had, you know, talking about certain players, talking about certain situations, describing the franchise and the and the way he was treated in Pittsburgh and basically how Big Ben kind of ran the ran the organization and everybody else was just considered like a little kid in that environment. I just think that they're they're in a tough position. The Steelers are losing Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. Big Ben's aging. I don't know what's going to happen with the state of the Pittsburgh Steelers, but I'm happy about it, honestly, as a Browns fan, because it looks like we're passing those guys up. It looks like we're finally going to dethrone the Steelers and kind of take over as one of the big dogs in the, in the uh, AFC North. I don't know where he's going to go. No idea. There's only a few teams, I think, um, that have really been in the mix. It, it, I think the Raiders have obviously been discussed a lot. We've seen... The Cardinals thrown in there. Um, I I got to tell you, it's it's a it's a very odd situation for a future Hall of Famer that's still smack dab in his prime, um, and yet clearly there's that marriage is over, um, and it's it happened it deteriorated pretty quickly. If I'm a if I'm a Browns fan, I'm thrilled. They are clearing a lot of space. They are going to be better and better. Uh, the next few years here, I don't think there's any question they're going to take control of that division. Um, so I, I'm thrilled. I I don't know where he's going either, but somebody's going to get a hell of a player. And let's say you give up a first rounder to get him. I don't know. To me, that's that seems like a pretty damn good deal for somebody that can completely change your offense. Yeah, I think that looking at how versatile he is as a receiver, take the the off field issues aside you're looking at a guy who's gonna get you 10 touchdowns and 1200 yards in a bad season yeah maybe it's a third rounder uh which would be even better i guess maybe a first is probably a little heavy um but you know raiders broncos cardinals jets all those teams have been mentioned uh it, it does seem like a very raiders thing to do <laughs> but uh this is a perfect example of the nfl being a league full of parody because uh you know the the, the steelers were dominant in the last 10 years of this decade and now all of a sudden um they're they're very vulnerable and they're they're really old and they're trading away their best players so 
Um, and Le'Veon Bell is not going to be Crazy. there. So there you go. Crazy. Uh, CJ, let's do a little wine action, shall we? Yep. Cue the wine music, please. I've been on the road for quite some time now. That's been 21 days, so I've been able to drink wine in the Bahamas, wine in New York City, uh, wine in Charlotte, wine in not sure where else I drank wine at uh, because the road trip was so long, but I'm sure I had a glass at dinner as well. I'm going to revisit uh, two bottles, two bottles uh, specifically. And listeners, please, please don't be upset with me uh, because these may be a little on the uh, expensive side. I apologize in advance. I had the Opus 2015 with uh, Coach Vanderpool, some of my homies in Charlotte, uh, Brandon Martin. I know he doesn't listen to the pod, so I can name drop him. Uh, he's actually moved to Charlotte. I was in his wedding last year. Shout out to my guy who got married. But 2015 Opus is very, very good. It's also extremely expensive. One of my favorite vintages is the 2015. I've also had the 07. It's among one of the, the top 1% of wines in the world. It's more bold, uh, dry, and very acidic. Um, and as we discussed in, in previous pods, we can tell because our mouths began to water. A little bit of oak, earthy, leather, smoke, chocolate, tobacco taste, dark fruit. But very, very smooth and went really well with my uh, steak. The other wine I had was gifted by a good friend of mine. Um, very, very good friend of mine, Shuli, who uh, I met in Toronto, who is also Jewish. Shuli gave me some... Very, very good kosher wine that I won't drink until I go to New York so I can drink it with my kosher friends. And it was an Amari Stoudemire 2015 Reserve Vintage. I think it's the price point is a little over 120 bucks, somewhere around there. And I haven't tasted it yet, so it's just in my cellar sitting right now waiting for me to devour it. But I, also, I got a 2015 Reserve in 2016. I think the price point is like 120 on one and 100 on the other, but I've never had kosher wine before, so I'm really looking forward to, to drinking that and seeing what I can pair with it. And uh, I will share with you how it tastes in the summer sometime when I get back and drink it with my friends. Wow, kosher wine. I am not a fan, so I, if you find something good... I got you. You got to tell me. I got you. My experience with kosher wine, just for what it's worth, has been horrendous. So I am very excited about this. Um, so I went to your neck of the woods, Bergstrom Pinot Noir. I'm sure you're familiar with it. Around 60 bucks. Very good. Um, had it a couple nights ago. And apparently it has a lot of blackberry and red currant to it. I really enjoyed it. And uh, I'll tell you, CJ... Oregon knows how to make a damn good Pinot, man. It is no question about it. They do. They do, that's for sure. But I'm glad you enjoyed it, man. I, I've actually had that Pinot, too, so I'm glad you enjoyed it. And I'll try to get a hold of this Mari Stoudemire wine for you. That's kosher as well. I'll see if I can find it. But yeah, Shuli looked out for me. Shuli uh, brought it to the hotel and uh, couldn't make it to the game because it was a Friday night game. Shout out to Julie. Yes, sir. But I appreciate everyone tuning into the Pull Up Pod. As always, we'll be bringing you guys some fire content as we continue to progress and get get ready for the playoffs. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, radio.com, backslash pull up with CJ, or wherever you get your shows. And don't forget to pull up, pull up. <laughs>